0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, positively different radio in the morning, and you are with Lyle and
1: Angela, who
0: is conspiring against me this morning with Liam. There was something going on in the background here while I had my headset on that I have no idea. Suddenly the clue box went from my (laughs) table to yours. Not quite sure how that happened.
1: Oh, you know. We're just trying to decide what's better. Is it time for me to get revenge on the fact that you twisted the clues to (laughs) trick me? Because it is my last show with you. So therefore, I'm like, how do I end it?
0: So Angela, will be here on Monday morning with Lawson. But yeah, our last show together. so So how to end it? All right. Well, you'll have to you'll have to wait until clue time. But before we get there, how are you this morning?
1: I am very good. I am very happy. Very good. Actually, then bittersweet too, because it's sad.
0: (laughs) You got another. You got another show yet? You're good. Yes, that's true. Got one more show.
1: That's true.
0: It's kind of sad that it's winding down, but one more show. Yeah. We have appreciated having Angela on the show here so much. Uh, What are you thankful for?
1: I am super thankful for um, a plumber that came over yesterday. There's been a problem in the guest bedroom for a while, or the master bedroom, I'm sorry. But I um, noticed that he was going the extra mile. He actually came inside to clean the toilet himself like after he had worked outside because there was something underneath the house or something underneath the dirt, he took off his boots, and he came in with cleaning products, and he literally cleaned the toilet and the floor and everything and fastened the toilet so it was kind of wobbly. He didn't have to do that. He went the extra mile. So I was very impressed. And on top of that, I was like, oh, our bathroom kind of smells. And he's like, well, let me look at it. And like some seal was broken, so he fixed that for us too. So a big shout-out to James the Plumber from Thornton.
0: There you go James the plumber in Thornton always good to see people going the extra mile and you know this is these are the kind of things that make our world just just go round is when uh, people are prepared to jump in there and do what needs doing so uh, big shout out there this morning you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different okay and positively different news this morning all right what's going to make our friday a happy day today
1: well i um have never heard of this and i don't know how i haven't heard of this as a teacher but have you ever heard of a citizen scientist
0: a citizen scientist Mm. i've heard of scientists i've heard of citizens i know that lots (laughs) of scientists are citizens so does that make them a citizen scientist
1: uh no, no if, I, if
0: I'm a scientist and i'm a I think all all scientists are citizens, I think it's kind of illegal to be stateless.
1: <laughs> okay, no, so basically, um the idea behind this is just regular people who are not like studied scientists are collecting data from just looking out their windows or spending time outside. Okay. All right, so what's so interesting is thousands of people have used their time at home in lockdown to become citizen scientists, collecting data to help further our understanding of the health of the planet. Oh, that's cool. So during this lockdown, they've actually seen an increase Um, And data coming in as people have been helping. Hey, this is what's going on. This is when the leaves are now coming out for spring. Or this is what what bird is nesting in my area. Or um, I actually even saw one about monkeys. People are watching for monkeys in South America. I I know they
0: have an event like this. It's kind of an annual event here in Australia that bird watchers do. And I don't really know the details of it. I know we do have a couple of uh, keen bird watchers who are a part of uh, who, who listen to the show and so if you're listening in this morning maybe you can call up and let us know how it works but my understanding is that they have a particular date and the idea is that right across australia everyone on that date goes outside and writes down the names of all the birds that are in their backyard and what that does is because it's all on the same date at the same time it gives them a snapshot of the bird population in australia
1: yeah, it's fantastic. It's kind of cool. Very cool.
0: So this is, the, this is the kind of thing you're talking about, right?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: As a citizen scientist.
1: Yes. Um, so this article came out of the UK. And what's super interesting is that um, during the first few weeks of lockdown, they received double the number of contributions for the public um, nature's calendar project that they do. Double as in what it was in 2019.
0: See, that's really cool. That is people recognising that they need some vitamin N in their (laughs) lives during COVID lockdown, that is vitamin nature, and going out and giving themselves a dose.
1: Yeah. So as a teacher, I've heard about like a bat project in America um, where you can build bat houses and then join this big online database to help because um, bats are an essential part of the ecosystem in America. And if you lose bats, your whole your whole farming system is a huge, huge problem and forget agriculture like it's essential. Anyways, there's this thing called the white nose syndrome that is going on with the bats. And it just kind of gives them this like a little cold in the winter when they're supposed to be hibernating. And Guess it makes the their nose kind of itch or whatever. So they wake up and they think that it's time to get up. And they go out and it's still winter. And their little bodies are, only have so much food to hibernate the whole winter. So when you take a little bit of energy to just go outside because they get woken up, they're dying. Mm. Simply because they are supposed to be sleeping for a long And they're working as time.
0: pollinators, right?
1: Yes, And so um, they're asking different people to help and build bat boxes and different things like that. And so I saw that as a teacher. I was like, oh, I want to do that and have my students be a part of it. But there's actually lots and lots of really cool citizen scientist projects out there. So if you're a homeschooler, um, if you're a retired person, this is a great opportunity to help give back to the planet and be a contributing scientist. How cool is that?
0: That would be very cool for your students, I would think, because you can enlist them all. You're actually a scientist now and you are a part of a scientific project.
1: Yeah, you're literally contributing data to help um, us take care of our environment. And so there's I, wonder, a, I wonder
0: how many people out there would be keen to have a bat box in their backyard. I know a lot of people who actually really don't like bats.
1: Well, you know, it's funny. I tried to convince where my mom works, the school, and they were very against it because they always had bat problems like bats in their, um, in their ceiling. And so, you know, they do their thing and they just replace all the ceiling tiles because of the stains from the bats doing their thing. And so I can guarantee that school is not open to building bat boxes anywhere near their school.
0: Well, you know, you can build bat boxes and then collect bat poo and then you can make gunpowder out of it.
1: Uh, yeah, um, that's is, exactly what they so want their a, students a, to this, be that, doing. No, this is a scientific project, <laughs> you know. You
0: could do that in your science class. This is how you make, you know. Um, when I was in high school, that was the kind of thing that um, – we were definitely interested in doing. And if our science teachers had proposed such a project, I think they would have had very, very keen engagement from all of the uh, boys in the class.
1: Yeah. So the, the um, citizen scientist project that I'm most interested in is called Earth Challenge. So you should look it up. It's aiming to collect the largest amount of citizen science data around plastic pollution and air quality in the world.
0: Well, that's plastic pollution, air quality is definitely something that your students can get involved in.
1: Yeah, I think it just sounds super awesome. And then just to end, um, kind of going along with the whole nature theme, you know, I have a passion for that. Do you know that you need more awe in your life? Aww. <laughs> yeah, you get a sense of which, which, <laughs> not which, which that kind of <laughs> awe. <laughs> no, they're like, oh, wow, feeling like when you see something fantastic, like an incredible, by the way, Australia has incredible sunsets. So when you see an incredible Australian sunset where you're just like, wow. That is what you need more of in your life.
0: Okay, what's our daily um, recommended dosage of awe?
1: <laughs> it doesn't have, I don't have like numbers, but what it does is it promotes positive behavior towards others. We are less likely to care exclusively about ourselves after experiencing awe, and we feel better connected as part of a larger whole when you feel awe. That's cool. Isn't that super cool? It's
0: very super cool.
1: Yeah. Um, and so they also become less afraid of uncertainty, lose their sense of ego, and become more connected to the world and become more tolerant when um, they experience awe.
0: This is amazing. So, so we need to go and... Look
1: up. Put your cell to- phone down and look up because you need some awe in your life. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Okay, so some time ago, I was uh, just scrolling through Facebook as you kind of do on occasions and came across a really powerful testimony... And so I asked the person who shared the testimony to join us on the phone this morning. Zora, welcome to The Breakfast Show. Good morning, thank you for having me on The Breakfast Show. Okay, so Zora, some time ago, you had a, a very serious health crisis. Let me describe it that way. And uh, I'm wondering whether you can just sort of take us through a little bit of that story of what actually took place and how this story Yeah, how it all came about.
2: Definitely, Lyle. Thank you. Uh, It's a very incredible story, actually. Uh, Mid-November last year, I started having flashing lights, colorful lights in the center of my vision. I went to see someone at Specsavers. They said it's just a migraine and not to worry about it. Two weeks later, those flashing lights were still there, and they were there, you know, when I was uh, about to go to sleep during the day, all the time, pretty much, mm. and became worried. Uh, got an appointment with a doctor who scheduled me in with an ophthalmologist immediately, and when I saw the ophthalmologist, she said to me, don't worry whatsoever, and don't be concerned, but you have to go to an emergency room immediately, and you got to get an MRI immediately. And oh, it wow. was, 430, that was 4.30 p.m. on a Thursday evening. And I said, well, can it wait till tomorrow? And she said, no, you got to go immediately. Oh, so I went to the hospital. Went to the hospital. They kept me overnight. There was no one to do the MRI there. And the next day they did the MRI. They did the EEG. And they concluded I had a brain growth and I had epilepsy. Um, it scared me completely. I was crying. I couldn't accept it. Um but then the next day when they let me go out of the hospital, I realized that if I have a brain tumor, there is a possibility there, but I didn't accept that I had epilepsy, and I had to look into it a bit more. I prayed, and I prayed, and I cried, and I prayed. I called my family. I asked them what to do, whether I should take the anti-epileptics or not, and the conclusion from my family was no, come back home. Don't take anti-epileptics. We'll go for a second opinion in in Canada or United States. As you, as some of you may know, I'm from Canada. Um, went for a second opinion, and the doctor was sure after seeing me that I didn't have epilepsy. He said, "You may have brain tumor, but you don't have epilepsy." And yeah, I'm he not sure. Me.
0: I'm not sure which one of those is uh, is is worse, epilepsy or a brain tumor. I think both of them would be pretty terrifying, and yeah, that's neither of these are good diagnoses to have, but please please continue the story.
2: Definitely not. And to be honest, Lyle, to me epilepsy was more scary because uh, I couldn't drive, and that handicapped my life completely. Um, and the doctor in, uh, in the United States uh, did all kinds of tests, probably 300 different tests. And he said, Zora, everything came back normal. I haven't seen a healthier person in a long time. Except one thing, you're extremely low on magnesium. And uh, the doctor was a seven-day Adventist doctor and started asking me about my diet. He was into lifestyle medicine as well. And I said, well, I do eat my greens and everything else that has magnesium. Um, But for some reason, I was just magnesium deficient. So he gave me magnesium intravenously. And uh, some magnesium pills to take. Within three or four days, my symptoms have completely cleared.
0: Okay, and so, so, so me- Zora, just let me stop for a moment because initially they found a growth inside your brain. Yes, yes. What happened to that growth? Well, let me
2: tell you, that's the second part of the story. I came back to Australia because the doctors in the U.S. told me, well, you were diagnosed with epilepsy in Australia, so they have to remove that diagnosis. We cannot do that unless you wait for six months. So I came back to Australia and saw a local doctor here and asked for a copy of my official results for EEG and MRI. Um, after pushing a lot, the hospital just wouldn't release the results. And after pushing a lot, I got back the MRI and I got back the EEG. And both of them said, it's completely normal. There was nothing wrong with me. And I thought that was really a miracle because I came from being with a diagnosis that was about to put me six feet under to being completely healthy.
0: That's an amazing story, Zora. So basically what you've got is... Um, you've you've gone from, you know, and and anybody who gets a twin diagnosis of brain tumor and epilepsy, you know, I can understand how you would be in tears and that would be terrifying. It was absolutely
2: terrifying. And to me, the life was ending. I quit my job, went back home, crawled into my mom's cave and I was ready to die. (laughs)
0: be honest wow and god has turned your life around now um uh, you're back here in australia then you've been cleared of epilepsy and cleared of having a brain tumor and the symptoms have gone away
2: yes so six months after the initial diagnosis i finally managed to get the clearance full clearance and the ability to to drive um the symptoms are the symptoms are gone. They have never returned back. I take my magnesium regularly and I follow doctor's advice, which is do not work too much. Take
0: time and rest. <laughs> so I
2: take my I yes. take my Sabbath rest very seriously now. <laughs>
0: and, and you probably need to maybe even slow down a little bit during the week, Zora. Uh, you've got a bit of a reputation of being a workaholic, but um, <laughs> time to I slow think down my and...
2: reputation precedes me and yes, that's a reason slow down during the week uh, have a balance between your work life and uh, and rest and your home life as well and that goes for all of us so my uh, co-host jo- here, a- yeah go sorry ahead.
0: my co-host here angela uh keeps talking or has been talking about had a bit of a theme over the last few days about getting some vitamin n which is yes. vitamin nature which uh (laughs) sounds like it would be a a a good prescription for uh for where you're at right now
2: definitely and i actually slowed down my life um i work for a ministry called the incredible journey and we hired some more people and it allows me to go kayaking every single morning do some gardening in the evenings and i praise the lord for that i've slowed down definitely (laughs)
0: That's fantastic. That's amazing. Okay, so let's, yes. I do want to spend just a little bit of time. I've got, we've got uh, another six minutes or so here to talk about your work because you're somebody who has dedicated your life to serving God. You're working for uh, The Incredible Journey. Tell us a little bit about The Incredible Journey. What's it all about?
2: Well, The, the Incredible Journey is a media evangelism ministry, and some of uh, your viewers actually know of The Incredible Journey. It's led by Pastor Gary Kent. Uh, and our primary vision is to prepare people for Jesus' second coming, which we all hope he's coming very soon. Uh, our model of operations for now is, uh, to produce a Christ Center program. We put it on TV on Channel 9 Gem at 8.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. And at the end of program, we offer a free booklet or a free Bible studies. Uh, People request those free booklets and Bible studies, and we at the moment have over 8,000 students who are actually doing Bible studies and over 20,000 people who have requested our literature. And Lyle, I have to share with you that uh, this coronavirus crisis has been a real blessing to our work. Uh, The number of requests for Bible studies has just gone exponentially up. People are requesting them, and they don't just request the first one or the second one. They complete the whole series, which is amazing. And then we put them on Daniel and Revelation study, and we had probably four times the number of Bible studies during this crisis as, as previously. So we're praising the Lord for that.
0: I think you're probably the only uh, evangelistic ministry that I've ever come across that has been blessed by COVID. Everybody <laughs> else is uh, like, oh, we're struggling with our evangelism because we can't go and meet people. And, you know, we're in lockdown. We can't go and do Bible studies. But yours being a media ministry has just exploded. Yes. So that is fantastic. And these are these are some really amazing numbers that you are sharing with us here. Yes. Uh, yeah. about and I want to share. Yeah.
2: And I want to share some testimonies with you too, Lyle. We had a lady and and her husband who called us recently, and they said that our programs are lifeline to them. Their church is closed. There's no one in the church that's doing live uh, streaming. And the programs have kept them sane and connected to God. And then there is a lady who said, I have a four-year-old grandson who I'm looking after, and he is a real handful. She said, uh, I asked my husband and my daughter and son-in-law if they could watch the grandson for a bit of time so I could take the time to myself for an hour a day. And she told us, you know what I do for that hour? I go through you Bible studies, and that's my time for myself. They have been a a lifeline to me, and they brought me closer to God. And there's many others, you know, who write to us and say, there was a lady in Tasmania who said, I was in a cult. And I was just uh, flipping through Foxtel channels and uh, watching for a movie. And I was intrigued by, by a program on the book of Daniel. So I watched it and I was fascinated by it. I want your Bible studies. And then later she got in touch with us and said, these Bible studies are opening my eyes. I want to go to church now. I, I, I want to get to know God because I grew up as an atheist and I never know, knew about Jesus or God. So testimonies like that, are keep uh, they keep streaming in every day and we praise the Lord for that.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible to uh, to hear those stories and stories of lives mm-hmm. being changed. Now you're talking about some some you know some huge numbers here. You know, twenty thousand people being uh, reached through literature and Bible studies and yes. so forth. Uh, is this just in Australia? Do you have an international reach, or is this uh, you know is this primarily focused on Australia?
2: Uh, these numbers are primarily from Australia. We do have an office in New Zealand too, and uh, the number of requests has exploded there as well. I have to also add uh, that uh, we do air the programs around the world. So they air on a number of secular and Adventist stations, such as Amazing Facts, It Is Written. Then 3ABN, they started airing on Hope Channel in North America. Then in South Africa, they're being translated into Ukrainian and Russian and German and many other languages. So there is a number of uh, of, uh of stations that are airing them around the world. We don't have offices anywhere else outside of uh, Australia and New Zealand, and we service those requests from Australia, actually.
0: Well, it's good to see Australia getting out there and having an international impact and doing something you know, amazing for God. Um, Definitely. Zora, how do we, you know, if for people who are unfamiliar with The Incredible Journey here in Australia, how do we actually watch the show? Uh, but go to
2: uh, a Nine Gem and watch it every Sunday morning at 8.30. And for those who don't have the time to watch it at 8.30 uh, on Sunday mornings, it's also Nine now. So you have four weeks uh, to watch it at your convenience over the Internet. If you just type in into the address bar, nine now dot au and you can watch them on our website, too, which is www dot TV. And that's the initial letter for the incredible journey. T.I.J. dot TV.
0: So, T-I-J dot TV, and yes. I would imagine there that there would be other information about uh, the work that you're doing on T-I-J dot TV?
2: Yes, and uh, you will find there uh, our online Bible studies, if you'd like to go through them. Uh, we've started doing video devotionals. Uh, starting with the Gospel of Mark. So you will find them. We release them once a week and we do short social media segments as well. We release them once a week. Uh, It's a great resource tool just because it has uh, longer programs that are half an hour long and then... Shorter two to three minute programs who like uh, bite-sized spirituality, but it also has Bible studies on who is Jesus, on full 28 doctrinal beliefs, on Daniel and Revelation. So we have a variety of material for, for those who are on a different level of their spiritual walk.
0: Uh, Zora, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. It's been a privilege having you as a part of our show. And uh, yeah, let Gary Kent know that we'd love to have him on the show again one time as well. But um, thank you for sharing us with sharing with us your testimony and also the work that uh, that you're doing for God and that God is doing for you. Um, we're going to move on with our, our program right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, what's our question... What, what's what's the, what's the time now? Let me get this right today. <laughs> question of the day.
1: All right. Our question of the day is, how do you decide if it's okay to work on the Sabbath or not? And is it okay if emergency um, responders are working on the Sabbath or those working in the medical field?
0: Yeah, this is a really good question. There's a whole bunch of Bible verses on this. And when it comes to Sabbath keeping, the principle of Sabbath keeping is to keep the Sabbath in the way that Jesus kept the Sabbath. So... It can be very confusing when you read in the Bible, you know, thou shalt not work on the Sabbath day, this is a day of rest, uh, this is a day of worship. So there are a number of principles you're going to find in the very early books of the Bible, the books of Moses, that talk about Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping begins in the Garden of Eden as a day of rest. Uh, in uh, Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 23, the Bible says that the Sabbath is a holy convocation, which means that it's a holy gathering together. And this is where the uh, concept of church originated from and so on the sabbath day people were to rest from their uh regular work which they did six days a week the work that they did to earn their living and they were to gather together for the purpose of a day of rest and worship and fellowship and family time and social connectedness but above all connectedness with god over time the jewish people came to pervert that and they said well thou shalt not work so let's define what is work and what is not work and they came up with 600 plus laws as to what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. And I know I've said this a number of times before, but if you are in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, uh, don't make the mistake of getting into the Jewish lift in your hotel. Because it's fully automated, stops at every floor. Oh. Because it's written into their laws that pushing buttons on the Sabbath day is uh, breaking the law because it's considered to be work. Mm. Um, so on the Sabbath day, you're not allowed to open the fridge because when you open the fridge, it switches a switch on, and switches you're not allowed to do switches on the Sabbath day. It switches a switch on, and a light comes on. Mercy. But if on Friday you remove the light bulb, you're allowed to open the fridge on Sabbath. Okay. But if you open the fridge on Sabbath, thinking that you had, um, and we shouldn't laugh at this, but people take it seriously, and you know, I I I totally respect people who honour God by you know doing things that they believe to honor God. Yeah. So this is not disrespectful. I was just, I'm just illustrating that you don't find these laws in the Bible. So if you do open your fridge on the Sabbath day, thinking that you had removed the light bulb, and then find that you had forgotten to remove the light bulb, then you can't close the door because you're operating the switch again. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, when he came, did not keep the Sabbath this way. He's like, no, 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 you guys have got it wrong. And so you find Jesus doing a number of different things. You find Jesus feeding his disciples on the Sabbath day and even plucking some grain or picking some grain as he was walking through a field, which you were legally allowed to do in ancient Israel uh, in those days, in Judea, Uh, and uh, his disciples having a meal on the Sabbath day by grabbing a bit of food to eat as they went through, so preparing food so that they could eat. And he got in trouble for that from the Pharisees. There is other occasions when Jesus healed people on the Sabbath day. And so the example that Jesus gives is that on the Sabbath day, those work functions that are necessary to the continuance of society need to go ahead. So we need to have our doctors. We need to have our nurses. We need to have our medical staff. We need to have our emergency services, our firemen, our policemen. These kind of jobs need to continue on the Sabbath day. Jesus set us an example of that Um, at the same time. You know, if you are somebody who is a worshipper of God, then you should, you know, endeavor where possible. We live in a world where lots of people don't worship God, so try and get yourself scheduled off. If you are an emergency worker or a necessary worker so that you don't have to do so, and if you do have to do so, then, you know, don't do it every single week. You know, try and you, there's always a way of scheduling yourself, you know, some sabbaths. Off. so we need to uh, yeah remember that the principle of Sabbath keeping is that it is a day of worship Let's do everything that we can to improve or the worship of others and also um, our own worship experience.